The following is a Five Grand Studio production. Welcome to the podcast, My Journey with Cancers. Here is your host, Karen Groising. Hi, everybody. This is Karen Groising, and you're listening to My Journey with Cancers. Welcome back, everybody, after my little hiatus of vacation that I took the first week of August prior to getting my surgery done on the 8th of August. Uh, I thank you for that. I really needed that time with family to just spend with them. We took the five grandchildren swimming on two different days. We went to the church choir picnic and spent some time with, uh, with those folks and there were three days that I went on my stamping retreat, got away from the house and responsibilities and went and just stamped my little heart out making a bunch of Christmas cards and other kinds of cards that I enjoyed doing for therapeutic reasons for myself, although my husband thinks that I should try and sell them, but that's just not what I'm into it for. I'm into it for my mind escaping and relaxation. I hope you all had a great week. Our week was wonderful, but I will say that as Sunday came on the 6th of August, I was starting to get a little nervous. My surgery was in two days on the 8th. And I've had many surgeries before. None of them life-threatening potential. They were all, you know, to make my life easier or my quality of life better. Partial knee replacements, hip resurfacing, things like that. This, which I've mentioned before, was or is a life or a death thing. You know, if you don't address certain cancers, eventually they're going to take your life. I'm not sure which ones wouldn't eventually take your life. If there are any or not, I, I don't know. I guess that would be a question for Google. But this, was, this is a life-threatening illness for me as it is for lots of people, women and men. And I think because it was or is of that nature, that is what had me start to get worried about it and nervous about it, under, kind of underneath. Monday was even a little bit more nerve-wracking um, and I think for that very reason. And then, of course, I wanted to make sure I ate whatever I could eat because I couldn't eat or drink anything after midnight. So, of course, you know, you want to get in any, you know, cravings or anything like that before, you know, surgery. Um, surgery day, Tuesday morning. Up and at it bright and early in the morning. I had to be there at 745 in the morning. And my husband went with me, as well as my best friend. So I was very grateful that she wanted to do that. She did not have to do that, but 
I was really blessed that she wanted to do it. And she was able to keep my husband company when I was not in my room and away with procedures and surgery. And he had somebody that he could drive crazy for a little while instead of me. So um, God love him. He gets you a little nuts once in a while. So, but she, she's always up for that task um, to banter back and forth with him. She's, she's good at that. But 7.45, we arrive at Freighter Hospital in West Bend. And maybe 15, 20 minutes in my room, and they were whisking me away to do an injection in the breast of two very tiny injections of radio dye that would go to the lymph nodes so that those lymph nodes were more prominent for the surgeon to see during surgery for her to take those out so they could be sent away for testing. They wanted to send those away to check for breast cancer in the lymph nodes. We already know I have the leukemia in my in the majority of my lymph nodes, so that they did find. They weren't surprised at finding that because we knew it was there. But I will say we were blessed again. I don't know why, but we were blessed again that there is no breast cancer in my lymph nodes. So um, chalk another one... An, another good one up. I'm just beyond grateful, beyond grateful for that. My whole family is. Um, but after they did that, then I was shifted over to the mammogram room because they needed to under mammogram x-rays the doctor had to, not my surgeon, another doctor um, that was reading my, my scans um, early on before I was diagnosed with a breast cancer. And she also did my biopsy for, my bre for the breast cancer that they found. She needed to place some guide wires in my breast so that they could guide the surgeon where she needed to go. And they placed three of them in there. They numbed me for that. Um, and they said that they placed them kind of in a triangular pattern to include the two areas and a third area that we did biopsy, but it was it was benign, but they wanted to take that out anyways. Um, and then the two positive areas. During that time, I was in that room by myself for just a little while. Now, I do want to say that the nurse, the doctor, and the technician had all been there for when they called me back for extra screenings. And when they decided to do a biopsy. So I've had the pleasure of 
their professionalism and their grace and understanding and caring and empathy all three times. Um, So that was nice that it was familiar faces. I want to say that that helped. Um, But I was left in the room by myself for a little bit. They had to, you know, get a few things organized or whatever. And the more that I sat there by myself, my mind started going. And sometimes that we do that to ourselves, right? Our minds just kind of start racing and thinking of things that they, maybe they wouldn't be thinking of. If we were engaged in conversation or busy doing other stuff. But I started getting emotional. And I was like, stop, 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 Karen. Stop. There's no reason for this. Um, and then they came back into the room and we got going with everything. Um, but I couldn't help myself and I just kind of did cry quietly a little bit, you know, where you just don't say anything, but the tears just can't be kept in your eyes anymore and they just start rolling down your cheeks. Um, and I, I don't know why. I don't know why. These emotions start coming over me and I have no idea why. I can't. I can't pinpoint it. Um, After that, and after I kind of got myself back together, then they took me back to my pre-op room. And I was maybe in there for 15 or 20 minutes. And they came in, and it was time for surgery. So I didn't really have a lot of waiting around to do. They were right on top of everything, and it was bing, bang, boom, pretty much. Um, I kind of joked with the nurses in the OR before they put me to sleep a little bit. Asked them why they weren't asking me what kind of music I want, because every other surgery that I've ever had, they always say, what kind of music do you like? You know, and they pull it up on, you know, Sirius XM or whatever, um, because they think that that helps you to subconsciously hear stuff like that when you are out for a surgery. So I kind of joked about that a little bit and joked about, you know, one of the nurses kind of not having his act together because the nurse on one side of me had her arm, the arm thing for me to put my arm out on right away. And he was like rushing in there and, oh my gosh, I need to put the arm thing on. And I was like, yeah, what are you doing? Like having lunch, like get to work, you know? Um, And he was like, whoa, attitude. And I'm like, just a little bit, you know. But, you know, it was all in good fun. And then it was time to go to sleep. And as my father always said, say the Lord's Prayer. And before you know it, you haven't finished and you're waking up on the other side. And that's exactly what I did. And I will always do that for as long as I'll be able to remember. I mean, who knows? Someday my mind might go, right? But, um, and that would be just like something else to drive my husband crazy. But as long as I remember that, 
because that's probably the best advice my dad ever, one of the best pieces of advice, I won't say the best, one of the best pieces of advice that my dad shared with me when I have gone through all my many surgeries. And what a perfect thing, right? They tell you, you know, start counting back from 10 or 100 or whatever. But if you're a Christian, like I am, why not start to say the Lord's Prayer, right? Because he's with us all the time. And that is a time that we especially want him to be with us right before going under for a surgery, even though maybe we've prayed beforehand or whatever. But, you know, it's kind of you and the staff, and you don't have to say it out loud. I didn't say it out loud. I just started saying it in my mind. I don't think I got through the second line of the Lord's Prayer, and I probably was out. And that was comforting to me. That was comforting to me, not only because it was something my dad taught me, but because I was going to sleep talking to my one and only Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. What more better time to be having a conversation with him, whether it's the Lord's Prayer or a Bible verse that is special to you. It's, it's like probably one of the most perfect times to start to talk to him and have him watch over you and the surgeons the Sunday before my surgery, our pastor at church, you know, knew I was having surgery and had asked me during the week we had been communicating via email. And he said, you know, at one point during some conversation said, you know, is it okay if I pray with you guys on Sunday, you know, for your surgery? And I said, absolutely. I would, you know, I would love that. I have never had a surgery where I haven't had a special moment with my pastor at that time, whether it was before my surgery at the hospital or a day or two before, wherever we are, praying for my outcome, praying for the nurses and doctors and staff at the hospital and just trying to also give myself and my spouse the strength to get through that day and a reminder that you know God God has it it you know God's got this it it's in his hands so we, you know, stuck, snuck away in the fireside room at church and um, Randy and I and Pastor Josh held hands and Pastor Josh said a prayer with us for my surgery, which I greatly appreciated 
so much. He had so many things going on that day. It wasn't even funny. Um, so I was grateful, and Randy was grateful as well, that he took those couple of minutes and and spent them with us and did that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the next thing I knew, I'm waking up in the recovery room. There's a nurse, you know, saying my name and trying to wake me up. Um, I'm not even sure how... Randy, how long was I out? Do you recall? Because I know that they had the surgery room scheduled for two to two and a half hours. And I'm not sure how long it was from the time that they took me to the time that they told you that I was in recovery. I'm not even sure. And I don't even know if you remember. No, I, I got texts from them and I just deleted them today oh, of course you did <laughs> so I could have looked back and been like oh at 410 or... right right um but we know it wasn't that late because my surgery was scheduled for 10 30 10 10 a.m 10 30 I can't even remember yeah. because I had to have those other things so okay yeah because I think my surgery was scheduled at 10 30 I just know, remember, I had to be there at 7.45 in the morning because right. I needed to be there for all that other stuff prior to getting, you know, going in for surgery. Well, once that was all in and done, they took you pretty quick. Right, yeah. I mean, they were right on top of everything, you know. Um, yeah, so, okay, one thirty, probably about 1 o'clock, you're thinking, because you and Tracy had gone down to eat lunch. You know, you guys went to the cafeteria and had lunch. Yeah, well, it may have been one thirty. I think we went probably about 1 o'clock. Oh, okay. To eat. Okay, so probably, yep, she's out and in recovery around one thirty. So 10.30, 11.30, 12.30. Well, that's like three hours. Yeah. So, um, okay. I just, yeah, yeah, I couldn't remember. Thanks right. for that. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah. Obviously, you know, they start asking you your pain level, scale of 1 to 10, you know, what is it? And they want to try and get that under control before they take you out of recovery and get a few vitals on you a few different times before they send you back into the room that you were in prior to surgery. Um, because this was a day surgery. So, um this was not anything where I had to stay overnight. And we were on our way home roughly about 3.30 in the afternoon. I think they finally released me and said, you know, you're good to go. You've had some juice. You've had some crackers. And um, my vitals look good. And the pain was, you know, under control for a while. You know, that was a good couple hours. So, um, yeah, home I went and to bed and with my little ice pack and asleep I went. But the other neat thing is that they have volunteers that make these little pillows to give to you as a breast cancer patient because they want to protect your breast after surgery from the 
seatbelt strap that goes across your shoulder and across, you know, across your chest. And so, you know, they asked me my favorite color and, you know, what, what colors they had or whatever. And I have, you know, this cute little pillow, which I do utilize a lot. I mean, even when I have an ice pack on my breast, it's my incision and everything is on the outer side of my breast. So I also use that little pillow to put on top of the ice pack because then I just I just put my my arm down and it's enough pressure from my arm to keep that ice pack in place. And so then that gives my arm the buffer between the ice pack and my arm. Um, so this little pillow has come in extremely handy. So God bless the women and maybe even men. Who knows, right? Everybody can do everything, so who knows? But God bless them all for sewing those pillows for people like me and keeping the hospital supplied in those so that um, their helping hands can help me heal a little bit more comfortably. Um, very grateful for that. You know, all these little things that you don't think of that happen behind the scenes, right? I would have never thought that that would be something that you would want to kind of be concerned about. But when they asked me about the pillow after they had gotten the wires put in my breast, I was like, oh, and she's like, yes. And so, you know, you use it for this. This is when we have volunteers that make these and keep us supplied. I would have never thought like that that would be something that you would need. Never crossed my mind about something that I might need. Um, during my recovery. So, yeah, there you go. You know, something else that you didn't know was needed and you have God's little helpers sewing away for unbeknownst patients, um, which, yeah, absolutely, totally great, 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 great. Um, my recovery has been going really well. I am not as bruised as I thought I would be. So that's just kind of crazy. Um, I'm a little sore. I'm a little swollen. I mean, she was digging around in there, taking stuff, scooping stuff up. I, I don't know what kind of a tool they use, but, you know, I just sit there and think of like the Tupperware melon ballers, you know, <laughs> that they're in there scooping around with like a mini version um, she was able to do everything from one incision, which was great. Um, she was able to get the lymph nodes and the cancer all from the one incision. So she was really happy about that. And I have gone on Monday, this past Monday, which was the 14th, I saw my surgeon Dr. Patton, for my follow-up, she, you know, took up, I mean, there was only a little steri strip over, 
over my stitches. I don't even know how many stitches she put in there. But the one other cool thing that she, she's, the nurses were saying she's the only surgeon that does it. And I had my husband take a picture of it because I want to like keep that forever. I want to keep that picture forever is she does her stitches. She does a Steri-Strip over the top. And then she places gauze over that just in case there's any bleeding or any fluid that might leak. And she takes her gauze and folds it into the shape of a heart, which I just thought was, she doesn't cut it. It's not cut. It's folded. And that goes on top of the stereo strip with a clear bandage over that. And she said, you know, you keep that on. I think I kept it on for the first two days. I think I might have kept it on a little bit longer than that, but I think she said 48 hours. And then that could be taken off. And then just, you know, um, it was okay for the stereo strip to get wet in my shower, but not to scrub the area, just let stuff flow over the top. But anyways... What, I mean, another little amazing thing that she does for her patients, I don't know, to make them feel better. Give them a little smile on their face. The nurses think it's like one of the coolest things that she does. Um, Kind of a thoughtful thing that she does, and I have to agree. So I wanted to, I'm not going to keep the gauze, right? That's disgusting. But I wanted a picture of it so that I still had that. Um, as part of my memories of something that I'm conquering, I took my bracelet from the day of surgery, cut it off, and I put it in my drawer in the bathroom because I want that, at least at this point, as a reminder of what I have conquered and the multitude of blessings that God has blessed me with, with these cancers. So I have that. Um, but she took the stereo strip off. She was like, everything looks fabulous. And she, you know, you'll have your regular mammogram in May and you'll see my physician assistant. She said, I'll see you every other time. So unless there's some other reason to see her, and, you know, my physician, her physician assistant will go over my mammogram results with me in May. After leaving that appointment, we didn't really leave. We stayed right in the same room and waited for my oncologist, Dr. Mooney, to come in. And Dr. Mooney is the oncologist that diagnosed me with my CLL. And now he's my oncologist for the breast cancer, which was discovered after he had diagnosed me with the CLL. So talk to him. And he kind of just wants to touch base, go over that, you know, numbers, margins, everything was clear. And touch base on going over some medication options for me because as I've mentioned prior in other episodes 
my cancer is estrogen fed. Now, I've already been through menopause, but your body still produces some estrogen, and they want to block that estrogen for me as to hopefully not get any more breast cancer. So there are some options. The first option, the first option that Dr. Mooney talked to my husband and I about was tamoxifen. That is one that has been around for a while and has been used as a hormone therapy anti-estrogen form for quite a while. And I won't go through everything on that, but you can look up under chemocare.com, excuse me, chemocare.com, and I will put that link on the My Journey with Cancers Facebook page for you. He printed out everything I need to know about tamoxifen. Um, he went through everything. But as he always says to me, after he's gone through everything with me, I know it's a lot. It's a lot of information in a short amount of time. Do you have any questions? All the doctors and nurses are constantly checking to make sure that all your questions are answered. And they're always telling you, if you think of something or need anything, call or send a my chart message. There's nothing too small, which is fabulous. So the tamoxifen apparently will not play nice with another medication that I'm on. The other medication that I'm on will stop the tamoxifen for do, from doing its full job. So it will not be as potent. So he told us about that one and about what, you know, he doesn't like about it for me. So then he told me, he told Randy and I about, about um, the Lesterol. That's also on chemocare.com. And... That's also used for breast cancers, especially the DCIS, which is what I have. And this one, he said, will play nice with all my medications. Um, so after he told us about everything and talked to us about the side effects, and on the chemocare.com, that's what it, tell, it tells you what the brand name is, what the generic name is, what they're used for, the type of drug it is, like the family of drugs that they're classified in as, and um, how they're taken. And all of the side effects. And he made sure that he printed out the information on both of those. He didn't just tell me, go to cancercare.com and you can read about them. He printed them out for me ahead of time and then told us about them and handed it me the sheets. And he said, well, take these home, 
look him over some more. And he, you know, we agreed with him that the last the lesterol would be the better medication to take. Um, but he said, you know, if you have any questions or anything, then, you know, let me know. But he agreed also that that would be the better medication to take. I do not have to see him again until towards the end of my radiation therapy because I will not take this medication until my radiation is done. And then I'll take it for five years. Um, we'll see how well it plays with, with me if I have any side effects that are bad or anything. Um, they always want to know about those, as he told me. And he said we can usually find something else that will work if, you know, certain side effects are just too much for you to handle. He doesn't want me to plow through for the good of the team, so to speak. So, um... That was my Monday, and Randy's Monday, too. <laughs> it was a day of doctor's appointments for myself. But tomorrow I go back to work, and my work family even sent me a text message today letting me know that they wanted to make sure that I have got the rest that I needed, and if I couldn't come in and work tomorrow and Friday, that it was not a problem and that they would make sure my shift was covered. They just wanted me to get the recuperation time that I needed, which, again, how nice, what a blessing. How many jobs do that, right? Um, I love the people I work with. So tomorrow it's back to work. Um, and I have slowly been getting back to normal activities. I do have a weight restriction um, for a little while yet. Please follow my Journey with Cancer's Facebook page. Please like and follow my podcast. And my husband bought this deck of cards the other day. And it's called the Scripture Cards. And everyone has a different scripture verse on it. And so the one that I picked, which oddly enough is what's on my phone case. It is, it is, so on one side, it says this on all of the cards. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I have that printed on my phone case when I bought a new phone case. I made sure that I picked a phone case that had that scripture written on it. How weird is that, right? Um, so that's on the back of all the cards. But the, the scripture that I pulled out of the pile I wanted to end with today, it says, In my distress, I call to the Lord and he answers me. And that is Psalm 120, part of Psalm 120. And he does. He doesn't always answer us in the way we want. Sometimes it takes time for him to answer us because, you know, we're human and we want our answers right away. And he gives us our answers when we're ready for them. When we're ready for them, 
because our Father knows that the answers have to come at the right time, no matter what the answers are for in our life. So please continue to listen to my podcast. I really appreciate it. If I just help one person remember to get that mammogram for themselves, then I've accomplished something. It's just so important because that's how it was found. It wasn't because I felt anything or I felt different. It was a mammogram that found it and found it so early. So that's just super important to make sure that you do those mammograms. And with that, I'm going to end for today. Thank you so much for listening again. And thank you for all your prayers and thoughts and good words for me during all of this. I'm very grateful. And I will say, remember to count your blessings. This was my journey with cancers. Till next time. This has been a 5 Grand Studio production.